part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. This is Zach Dove. He is a, a former student of mine from many years ago. Many, many. Uh, and uh, it was one of those that um, uh, in that church uh, I came in, he was already kind of one of the leaders and one of the, the, the older ones. So I only had him for a couple years. And, um, but immediately I saw that he was one of those leaders that you have in your student ministry. Uh, that is a double-edged sword, though. It very much is a great thing when uh, you have those tasks that need to be done, spiritual tasks. Also meant that some of those late night revolts during trips and stuff like that, that there had to be a mastermind. You know, when you're a leader on, uh, among men, that means that sometimes you are the leader to the, the altar, but also to, hey, let's sneak over to the girls' room. And so it's well, all those kind of things like that. But, uh, but God has uh, just done a wonderful work in his life. It's been fun to, to watch him. One of the greatest blessings of ministry is watching, I, I will say kids, and I will probably... I'm, I'm sorry to refer to you no, as kids today, uh, uh, grow up. And, and we've been blessed in our 35-plus years of ministry to have uh, over 20 kids and some kind of, a, you know, pastoring or missionaries and that. And it's just that fruit. You know, it's that legacy of the gospel going on beyond your years. And so this is a, it's a really cool day for me as a pastor, as, as a guy who's watched somebody. I was... Uh, I got to be uh, do the wedding. Uh, I was about to say I got to marry you, but that that wouldn't be right. Uh, I did the wedding, and and uh, and uh, he fell in love with this beautiful woman. And uh, like most of us guys, he uh, very much married up, way 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 up. And um, then God has called him. So then we're going to tell you a little bit more about that. His wife Jennifer, Jen, and his two sons. But we're going to start off with uh, I think it's about a three minute video that the International Mission Board put out. Uh, he is with our Southern Baptist uh, missionaries that are abroad. And um, part of the finances that you give, and, you know, again, we don't pass the offering plate, but as you put money in the offering plates in there in the back, uh, there's a percentage of that every single time that goes toward missionary efforts. And so you may not know that. You may not know that, oh, you know, I'm actually helping to support all this work of Christ, of the gospel, uh, around there, but but you are. And so this morning, uh, let me give you an overview of where he's serving in Norway. And then we're going to just do kind of Q&A. And you might even get out early this morning. I don't know. You know, uh, okay. I, I won't go to preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so can we can we show the, the film part? So my family and I moved to Sandefjord, Norway to start new churches and to work with Norwegians who have a desire to start new churches. I've learned in Norway that it takes a little longer to get to know people, but I've also learned that once you have a friend here, you have a close friend, you have a friend for life. We want to be here and love people and show them who Jesus is through the way that we live. And so we're just looking for ways that we can uh, get into their circles and get to know them. Our kids are door openers. We've always said that. They open doors. They're definitely part of our team. Our boys um, are good about helping us connect with people, helping, especially people with, with, with kids, other families with children. Kids in the States can really be praying for, for the kids here and that kids would, would get a real picture of who Jesus really is and who God really is and that he really loves them. And it's not a, a boring church service that you go to once a week, but it, rather it's a way that uh, 
you can uh, find eternal life with Jesus. Since we've lived in Norway, I have learned really quickly the power uh, of prayer. I think I thought of prayer before as something that you did to get ready for something else. And now I'm seeing that, that prayer really is the key to doing things, really covering things in prayer and spending time prayer walking and, and praying with your friends, your partners, people you're discipling. Not doing it as a way to start a meeting or open a meeting, but really spending uh, good quality time in prayer and, and asking the Lord to, to bless you know, what we're doing and asking Him to, to show up and to, and to help us and to guide us and give us vision and to help us to love people uh, the way He loves them and help us to see people uh, the way He sees them. Because it's not always easy, especially when you're living in another culture, to, to love people you know, the way Jesus loves them because uh, they're different. They're different from from you. You know, their worldview is different, and sometimes it's really tough when you don't see eye to eye on on a lot of issues to find common ground and say, well, you know what, I, I love you regardless. And so we say that all the time. God help us to love people with a love that can only be described as you know coming from you. I really feel like Santa Fiorita is on the verge of something big. That God is really up to something in the city. And uh, one of our prayers all the time is, uh, God, would you give us your heart for the people here and give us your heart for the city and show us where you want us to be, show us where you're already working so that we can just go there. We would love to see God uh, start a church planting movement in Sondafjord and then for that to spread to the rest of Norway and for that to spread to the rest of Europe and then to the rest of the world. As you watch that, uh, again, I, just so you know, only 2% of the people in Norway go to church. That kind of blows us away. You know, here we, you know, we know that while church attendance is down in America over the last you know, decade or so, still, it's far above 2%. And so it's, it's kind of a hard to grasp that you live in the midst of a culture that um, only 2% are responding in some way of going to church. And we're not even saying that those 2% are necessarily Christian or anything, but just are kind of active. You know, Zach, why would you say that happens? I mean, I, I know that culture, I, you know, we get this understanding that, that Europe is kind of a very liberal mindset. Their worldview is not a Christian worldview. It's a very much of a worldview that's just of, of man. But, but why do you think that only 2%, you know, just in your four years that you've been there, just starting there from the very top, why is there not a penetration of the gospel in there? I think that's what happens when you have uh, years and years of people who aren't talking about the gospel. When you take the gospel from being something that what you might call being very personal and very private, um, and instead of saying, okay, now not only it's not personal and private, it's only private. So what we found is that people... People will always say, oh, yeah, I'd love to talk about my faith. There's people that are really the, the 2% that are, that are you know, really uh, Christians who, Norwegians, they call it personal Christians. So you can say you're a Christian, and it's big, it means that you're not Jewish or you're not Muslim, so you're a Christian. So it's more of your heritage than anything else. But then they have a term, for, it's called personal Christian, which might be that 2% or, or less, people that actually have a relationship with Jesus. And, 
you know, they say, I would love to talk to my neighbors about my faith, but it's so personal and private. And Jennifer and I say all the time to them, your faith absolutely should be something very personal, but it should never be something private. And so I think when you live in a culture where everything is okay, but then things that you say, like an absolute truth can never exist in a secular society. So something can always be okay for you and not okay for me, or it can be okay for me and not be okay for you. But there's no sense of an absolute truth where you say, okay, Jesus is the one way to heaven. You would never, ever hear a Norwegian Christian say that. And so that's one of the things that Jennifer and I would go through in our, in our discipleship process. One of the first steps is who do you know that you can share what you've received with the, the this that you've received, who can you share it with? And, um, I was telling Bobby we were having coffee on on Wednesday. Uh, I just started reading a new book uh, by a guy named James Emery White, who's a pastor up in North Carolina, I think. And 70% of the people that go to his church had no church background at all when they when they came to Mecklenburg Church. And he calls he says that uh, secularism, which I would describe as you know Norway and all the Scandinavian countries being very secular, at the heart of secularism is not being an atheist because people to be an atheist you have to have interacted with ideas and thought through these things philosophically and everything at the heart of secularism is functional atheism which means I've never thought about these things so you're an atheist but you've never thought about it so you're you function as an atheist someone who doesn't believe in God or Jesus or anything and so that's been the hardest thing for us to wrap our brains around is when you when you try to have a conversation with someone about spiritual things or the gospel and you ask them, you know, well, what do you think happens when you die? And you get this answer of, well, I've never thought about it before. And, you know, if somebody tells me that, you know, I'm an atheist, I can kind of wrap my brain around that. I don't agree with it, of course, but I can I can understand where they're coming from. And but when somebody tells me I've never thought about it at all, I can't it just doesn't compute with me. And so Finding a starting place with people that say, I never think about spiritual things. I never think about what happens when I die. What, what do you do yeah. in a situation like that? Because, you know, when you think about missions in, in some, a place like Africa, Haiti, or something like this, where there's um, maybe at least in that section where you're going, there's some poverty, there's uh, disease, there's different things like that. And so you can open the door sometimes with water, with food, with medicine. And yet you serve in a country where... I, I wouldn't say everybody's affluent, but there's a, not a whole bunch of need. I mean, they're very healthy people. They live a long time. Uh, they always go down on those lists of, you know, the happiest places to live. Uh, so there's not a lot of need. So how do you even kind of where we could take water to this person or in Haiti we could take food or medicine, how do you open that door then? Yeah, that, when we figure that out, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, now, um, <laughs> exactly. It, it, you know, I would... We were thinking about, you know, how do we how do we cast vision for people to help them understand what what life is like in a, in a secular society? So, you know, Jen and I are over a church planting for Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Iceland. And Iceland was just named the most like secular society in the world um, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and yet they're very nice people. Right? Very nice, extremely super, nice, super people. nice, yes. like the nicest it's you would nice ever meet. Yeah. And um, but we were thinking, how in the world, you know, when we went to Norway four years ago, it's like, how do we introduce spiritual things and the gospel to people? 
we have to have some kind of common ground, some kind of starting point. And we would start with, with God, and we would get shut down. We would start with Jesus, and we would get shut down. And it wasn't until I read a book um, called Life on Mission, and it has a little diagram called the Three Circles, and you can get the app for your phone and everything. And it, it starts from a place of brokenness. And so I hear all the time, you know, things are so bad in the world. Things are, you know, how could, how could a, a loving God let these things happen? And you guys hear the same thing from people. And finding a starting point with brokenness always relates to people. And so Jennifer and I have found more than anything, we can start from a place of brokenness and we start on common ground. And then we, once we have that, you know, common truth that we can both agree, okay, yes, this is true. We live in a broken world. Okay, now what are we going to do about it or what's been done already? And so that gives us a really good and why starting is it point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, that that's probably been our best like bridge to get into these spiritual conversations with people is starting from a place of brokenness. Because I can imagine again that um, while they're nice people mm-hmm. and uh, live good long lives and all their eight weeks of vacation, yeah, uh, the common you know. I mean, how could you not be happy there? Okay, <laughs> why do I need Jesus when I get eight weeks of vacation? Yeah. You know. Um, but trying to get that place of penetration of the mind and, yeah. and heart, because I don't know the answer to this. Would you say that uh, that they are spiritual in nature? Do they realize their spiritual nature, even if it's not from a God, gospel, biblical kind of worldview? Do they understand spiritualism at all? Yeah, there's there's a big growing spiritual movement. Um, people are really into to yoga and things. Um, People are really into, you know, seeking out spiritual things. In fact, one of the princesses, uh, we had our first team from from Atlanta there maybe three years ago. And one of the princesses had just come out with a book about finding your inner angel guide or something like that. And so people were really talking about it. So it was a good end for our team to engage people in conversation. Um, But a lot of them are very open to spiritual things, but not so much when you you start talking about the Bible and the God of Scripture, they're not so much interested in that, but it's more mystic, you know, mysticism and things like that that they're interested in. And I wouldn't say everyone is interested in it, but uh, by far, you know, people are interested in spiritual things. That's what they're that's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking of you know Christianity as being a spiritual you know practice or anything. They're thinking of you know, oh, I'm going to meditate or I'm going to do this. And, it's been some of the weirdest conversations that I've had since imagine. we've been there with people like that. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll share one. <laughs> You've been there for four years now, yeah. four years now. Um, what was the toughest part of going? Missing family, learning the language. Can you give us some uh, Norwegian? <laughs> what did we say? <laughs> Just say. I mean, all, all I can dig from is the Muppets and the Swedish chefs. That, that, that's about the extent of my, uh, you know. It's and I'm funny. not even trying to mock that, you know, I'm saying that because I would embarrass myself. It's right funny now. because the Swedish chef, his, like, his tone when he speaks is more Norwegian than Swedish. So, okay. Um, I guess it's like John 3.16. Uh, so, how you talk good as get bagen, hangasin son, did inborna, for it var den som tror på ham, ikke skal gå for tat, men ha i veklip. Johannes 3.16. Now, if you would have said that like the Swedish chef, you know, and da 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 da, you know, a little bit more of a raw, I would have gotten it. You know? <laughs> but people always know that we're American when we st- they either think we're American or German when we start speaking because it's very flat. And they're like, oh man, you got to sing it. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so how long? I mean, I don't know that you're fluent in that, but uh, 
but certainly you've been there for four years. You had training uh, before. All right. of our international missionaries uh, are trained and kind of equipped. Mm-hmm. They don't want to put you out there in a place where you couldn't function and be successful. Right. So, um, so there's a lot of training. But uh, so, so what was the biggest obstacle? You know, missing family, um, the, the lack of the response of the people, the language, the different culture. You know, these growing pains that you had going, okay, God, we know without a doubt you called us. And then you're there and you're gone. Okay, now what do we do? Yeah. I'll say IMB has been amazing with, with training us and all of our local churches have been fantastic about following up with us. Um, they sent us to a training in Virginia that all IMB people go to, whether you're short-term, long-term, or whatever, uh, in Richmond. And that was uh, about two and a half months. And it just goes through basic um, how to live cross-culturally and everything. And then Jennifer and I, because we were going to a, a larger country in a, in a secular culture, got to go to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, for three and a half months and do church planting work there. Um, so that was probably the best thing that we could have done because it allowed us to have our first you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas away from our family and still be around people that we knew and were comfortable with. So it was kind of a good transition. And then... Honestly, if, I, if I'm telling the truth, like the hardest thing for me has been, um, if I can say it without crying, it'll be amazing. Uh, right after we, we got to Norway, the first, our first night in our city, uh, my brother called me in the middle of the night and said my dad had had a stroke. And so not being there for him has been probably the hardest thing. Um, and, and just, you know, for the boys too, knowing that, when they came back last year and you know, dad wasn't the same anymore. Uh, that's, that's probably been the hardest part, even though our family takes really good care of them. Um, that's probably weighed the heaviest on my mind, just, just as far as like natural things. Um, you know, I think for spiritual things, we've, we've had a lot of, I think, spiritual warfare around our youngest son. Um, and that's been, that's been really tough. Um, yeah, can we go to one of those pictures oh, while you're there? Yeah. Uh, go back one. Yeah. There, that's where Norway is in comparison to the, the globe. Mm. Okay? Uh, kind of cold there. Uh, yeah, my wife. Because, because you're up there. My wife sent me a, a message this morning. They have church. It's starting uh, maybe 30 minutes ago. It starts at 5 o'clock, so we're six hours ahead. And she said, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to go to church. I can't get the car out. They had gotten about two and a half feet of snow overnight. <laughs> so I was like, well, so I emailed one of my buddies. I was like, hey, can you go pick Jennifer and the boys up for church? And he said, yeah, he would. Uh, that's where it is in relationship mm-hmm. to uh, the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. I really did not, you know, maybe I haven't been playing Dora enough, Dora the Explorer <laughs> enough. I did not realize that Russia was so close. Right. We share uh, a border with Russia on the north. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't even realize that until I kind of did the map. I knew about Sweden, Finland, Denmark, and all that. I didn't know that Russia came over that far. Yeah. So. Uh, Going to that next one, Mark. This is his family. Uh, this is the latest magazine that went out to uh, mission leaders. The, and this particular one is for children, for preschoolers and children. And so kind of describe your family there for us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can see a lot of their personalities in this picture. Uh, Daniel is on the right. He's our youngest. He is 12. Uh, William is on the left. He's 14 and like full-on puberty <laughs> all that stuff so uh, that's always fun right now uh, Jennifer uh, is beside me uh, we've been May will be 19 years we've been married um, 
and then of course me. This is ta this was taken. The IMB sent a team of photographers and uh, writers to do uh, international mission study last summer, and uh, so this was taken in a city called Tunsberg, which is just north of us, and it was the first uh, city where. Uh, we were able to get a, a church started. Uh, it's the oldest city in Norway. It was founded around the year 800. Um, so we were up on the, it's called the Schlotzdiel. It's a, it's a, um, uh, I describe it. It's like an old fortress that sits on top of a mountain. So we were, we had taken the team up there and they're like, hey, let's get a shot of you guys jumping. And I was like, okay, I, I can't jump. But uh, yeah, we'll can we try go that back to that picture? Because I did want to make a male to male comment here. Can we go back to that picture? I'm kind of scared. Uh, I noticed the rest of your family got more air than you did. Zach and I used to, on the basketball court, you can tell he's a tall guy. We used to go, I mean, we had some matches on yeah. the basketball court. And so that was one of the first things I noticed about this picture when I saw it is, the boy doesn't have air anymore. No. You know? <laughs> Old knees, man. Old knees. You hit 40 and it's all downhill. <laughs> well, what is the biggest transition? Uh, okay, so you come over and, and you accept this call. You, you realize that God is calling you. Did you have any clue? Did, you, did God put Norway there? Or is it just a call to missions? How did that get defined from this broad, okay, I, I call you to go share the gospel to in the world to Norway. How, how did that happen? Yeah, I, um, we, had a, we had a clear call to Europe. We did not have a call to Norway. And if some people feel like they have a specific call to a specific place, to a specific people. We didn't sense that at all. We, we had a sense that God was calling us to Europe. And I think partly it was because we, we understood what our skill set was mm -hmm. and partly because that's where most of our experience was, was in Europe. Um, so when we, we approached the IMB, they said, well, where are you thinking about serving? And we said, well, we want to go to Europe. And we said, I really want to go to Germany. That was where I, I wanted to go. And it was kind of one of those, you know, God, don't you want to call me to, to Germany? Huh, huh, huh? God, yeah, you listening? And um, it didn't work that way. Jen and I took a, a vision trip to Germany um, like the fall of 2010. Um, and we got off the plane. We went and met our friends. We got on the university campus and started sharing the gospel. And we had a great response that day. But later that night, I just told Jen, I said, I'm just going to say this. I don't have any other way to say it. I said, this is the clearest no that I've ever heard from the Lord on anything in my life. That This is not where we're supposed to be. And she was like, I know. And so we, we really didn't know any that much about Norway. I'd been there in 09 on a trip with one of my buddies and really loved it. And we had connected well with the Norwegians. And we actually had some Norwegians come to Atlanta for the Catalyst Conference. And they stayed in our home. And we had connected with them. And when we were, IMB does this thing called Expo, where you go and you kind of um, are introduced to how IMB works, how the you know support and everything goes. And we we looked at some different positions around the world, and we we went through this whole list of positions, and nothing really felt like what we felt like we could be you know good at or whatever. And so we, we closed the book and we kind of put it away and we went back and talked to the guy and I was like, I don't see anything in here. Is there nothing else? He said, no, there's really not anything else. And I said, well, maybe we just need to wait or we need to, you know, look somewhere else. And he was like, well, just go pray about it. And so Jen and I walked over to the corner and we prayed for maybe 15 minutes and we came back and we opened the little pamphlet again and we had missed one job. It was like on the backside and it was the Norway position and it just clicked. And the job title was Church Planting Catalyst. And I was like, that is for us and so 
the rest of this is history. <laughs> Love it. Now you're raising your boys there, and uh, what's the hardest thing? Uh, and again, I believe that when God calls, you know, the husband mm-hmm. uh, into ministry, He calls the wife. I've, I've told many guys, "Hey, wait until your wife receives that. You don't want to go kind of undivided there." Um, and so one way we think that maybe just naturally extends to the kids. But I imagine that there's days that they're going, hey, look, you're, you got called here, but we didn't. What's the hardest thing about being a parent and parenting two kids, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, on a mission field, um, you know, when yeah. sometimes they don't have that same soundness of call that you right. and your wife would have? Yeah, and I'll just brag on my boys for a minute. They have been fantastic. I can think of maybe five days in four years where they've been like, I'm done, Dad, I want to go home. Daniel actually had one of those days last week, so if you guys could pray for him while I was gone. He had a he had a really bad week. So but uh you know, Jennifer knew that we were called to Europe before I, before I did, or before I admitted it. Um she when I finally came home and said, I feel like God's calling us to Europe, her response was, Yeah, I know. <laughs> so um I get that a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> um it's tough. Um William and Daniel go to an international school in our city, Sondefjord, and as far as we know, they're the only Christians who go to the school of about 300 kids. Um, no other, no other Christians. Um, none of the churches that we are currently planting with have any kind of children's ministry. We don't even. There's not even one in. We, they would have to go to Oslo to go to like a youth group or anything, and so. Um, I think that's really a, a challenge for us to be. Um, to teach them the things that they need to know and and not just rely on, you know, a church to do it. And, I mean, that's a good lesson for, you know, for all of us, that we need to be really invested in our kids' yeah. you know, lives and things. But also, I think one of the, the biggest things that I try to do is to find other guys that are, that are walking with Jesus and say, hey, can you spend some time with my boys and just talk to them about things. And just so they're not hearing it just from Dad, they're hearing it from, from other guys too. I think that's probably the biggest thing, but... Life, they love living there. They love the, the freedom that they have to, to go out into the city, to you know, do the things that they get to do. They miss their, their grandparents, of course. Yeah. Jennifer's mom was there this week while I was here. And uh, one of William's buddies called him and said, hey, can you come over this weekend? And William said, man, my grandmother's here. He's like, so what? He's like, I get to see my grandmother once a year. I'm going to spend every minute I can with her. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's that's probably the the hardest part, just the, the lack of, you know, family. And, and it's good talking on FaceTime and Skype, but it's just not the same. Yeah. And, and, and just sometimes we forget, you know, you grow up in a, a youth group. I mean, we'd have 100 kids on Wednesday night. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer was a part of, of a big youth group and everything. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have that mentality of what you want for your own boys. You know, okay, we want them to be surrounded by a lot of reinforcement, a lot of other Christians, a lot of other people. And, you know, I don't know how many is in that school, but for them maybe to be the only two Christians in that whole school, that blows most of us away here that are parents because it's like, okay, my goodness, now we know how to pray for you a little bit more because I mean, that's just hard. I mean, I can only imagine from that parental point of view, when we start thinking about the sacrifices that our missionaries make, you know, it's like, okay, man, husband and wife, they are so, you know, strong and, and with the kids. And I think that's where, you know, we've even been talking about that as married couples about, you know, how do you keep marriage priority when, you know, certainly your, your children are so important. Mm. And so I can only imagine that that struggle there as missionaries is the same one. Yeah. How can we best pray for you? If you just said, hey, 
Now, Bobby, here's, here's the top two praise, prayers. I know that you just said that for your kids and for their maturity in Christ and all that, but uh, do that on a personal level for you and Jen. Okay. And then do that on a uh, spiritual level or on a, a, a if you want to say, a work-based level of how do we pray for you and the ministry that you have. So start with you and Jen. Okay. Um, that's a good question. Because when people, usually people ask us how we can pray, we, we talk about, you know, our work in the churches and the, and the churches that we're planting and things. But as far as, you know, us personally, um, just pray for our marriage. You know, it's it's stressful to live in a, in a culture that's not your own. Um, it's stressful to have, you know, friends who um, have no problem with, you know, whatever sin they're involved in. You know, it, it's, it's stressful to have... You know, we have three or four of our sets of friends are same-sex, you know, partners that have kids that go to our boys' school. Um, so things like that are stressful in, in a marriage and in a relationship. And, and then just the constant, you know, barrage of everything and everything is okay. Everything in the society is fine. They're, they consider themselves moral people, but, you know, morality is, you know, what's it based on? You know, it's based on... You know, nobody's getting hurt or killed. So I think pray for our for our marriage, um, and then just for us to be good parents. Um, it's uh, that's probably the the toughest part of of being over there is you know <laughs> when you're um, you want you want to get away for the weekend or something and do something nice. You know, who do we leave the kids with? We don't have grandma or grandpa to call. And so our youngest son has some special needs, and so it's hard to find someone who can take care of him and where we feel you know, okay leaving yeah. him. So that was a tough question. Um, so as far – and then – For your ministry. Ministry. Um, we're really, really excited about how, how things are going right now. Um, when, we, when we moved there, our county is called Vestfold. And so it's the least evangelical in all of southern Norway. Up in the north, there's there's ones that are less percentage, but the the population's so sparse that you know it doesn't really count. So our, ours is the largest county south of of Oslo. Um, and then once you get down to the south of Norway, it's called like the Bible Belt, and it gets up to around maybe 13 percent evangelical. <laughs> so ours is the least evangelical in all of southern Norway. So the best we can figure it, we're about 0.75 percent. Uh, evangelical. Um, that doesn't include people who are members of the state church or anything like that. So we kind of had this goal of, of starting three churches in the three largest cities uh, there. And so we started with uh, Tunsberg, which is the city north of us, and we were able to plant a church there pretty quickly uh, with, a, with a couple of Norwegians. And so that's going really well. It's more of a house church model. So we meet in, there's three different homes where we meet, and they're ready actually to start another church um, in the city north. Uh, we've had uh, about ten people come to faith over the last uh, three years and six of them in the last nine months. So it's been really, God's been really good. And, um, and then in our city, Sandefjord, we, we planted a church with a Norwegian couple uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, so we're only five families right now. And we started with just us and the other couple. So we're, we're five families who are there you know, all the time. And which sounds, you know, kind of small. Uh, and then our, the other city was Larvik, which is south of us. 
and I don't know if anybody's ever heard of a, a movie called Kontiki. I think it's on Netflix. If not, you should check it out. It's a Norwegian explorer named Thor Heyerdahl that went and discovered like Polynesia, and uh, that's where he's from. And so we've had a really hard time getting uh, traction on it. And it's I don't know if you can see like there's Oslo and then Drammen and then Shan. It's the city is just north of where Shan is, so that's that's where we're working with this group. And we have not been able to get any traction there. And uh, I I met a guy about a year ago named Jan Anders and had been, you know, discipling him and kind of training him to, to start this church, and he had not been very receptive. And about three weeks ago, uh, Jen and I were in a, a thrift store in Larvik. We had had to go and pick William up from a friend's house, and we always check this one thrift store for Bibles <laughs> because a Bible, like in the store, is maybe five or 600 kroner, which is about 80, 80 bucks. We can find them in this thrift store for 20 kroner, which is, you know, three or four dollars. Especially right after confirmation, you can find a ton of Bibles in there. So we had been in there and bought a couple of Bibles, and we came out, and this guy was staring at me. I was like, why is this guy looking at me? And uh, so I looked down, and I looked back up, and he was still looking at me. I was like, this is weird. And it was Jan Anders. And uh, he was like, I've been thinking a lot about you recently. I said, well, I've been thinking a lot about you too. I didn't expect to see you here. He said, well, I had to go to the grocery store for something. He said, I just live right over there. He said, you guys want to come and have coffee with me? I was like, (laughs) <laughs> but Jennifer, my wife, said, "Yes, we'll go." And I was like, "Saturday, we had a, you know, we we're going to go home and watch a movie." <laughs> Very spiritual. And uh, so we went over to his house, and he was like, "I think I'm ready to start this church." And so they had their first meeting uh, two weeks ago, and another one uh, last Thursday night. So he invited. There were about ten or twelve people there. So pray for that city for. Um, for Jan Anders and for Frank and Anna in Tunsberg and for Sabjorn and Rebecca in our city. Um, we're really, really excited about what's going on right now. One of the girls asked me this morning, I said that about you know being five families is a small number. One of the girls in the Sunday school class asked me this morning, she said, how many people are Christians in Norway? I said, I've never thought about it that way. And so I, I said, let me just, I said, I can give you a rough estimate. And so there's five and a half million people in the country. And I did it. Two percent, and that was 110,000 people that are followers of Christ. So that's not a lot of people, and so uh, we need to be sharing our faith, and we need to be training others to share their faith. And so pray for that. Well, Zach, thank you so much for coming today and being a part of it. Uh, again, I mean, what great joy to, to, to be able to see uh, the kids that you uh, attempted to, to, to pour into to pour into others and that continual cycle of the gospel going. Uh, I pray that you will be reminded there are some prayer cards there in the back that if you'd like to, to take that and just have that as a reminder. It has their, their names on there. And uh, that way sometimes that picture just reminds you to pray for them and many other missionaries. And uh, so we thank you for coming today. And we will pray for you right now and for the uh, just the gospel to be known. And I'm asked... Uh, the priest team to come back up after that and just to lead us in a time of reflection, a time of just uh, celebrating the Lord today. So let's pray together this morning. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for the Dub family, Father, what you're doing in them and so many other missionaries, Father. We, we think of some of the troubles and some of the irritations that we have here, Father. Of, okay, we don't feel like the, the gospel is being penetrating into our communities and our churches and growing fast enough and this, that, and the other. And, Father, then we hear stories like this, and and we realize that uh, just how blessed we are to have this community of believers that we have, even right here at Cornerstone. 
And so, Father, help us to keep uh, that in perspective. Father, we do lift them up. And I, I pray for Jennifer today, Father, today, that you will be with her. And, Father, to William and Daniel, Father, especially Father Daniel, and uh, uh, dealing with some of the, the needs that he has, the special needs that he has. And, and Father, we're, we're sensitive that, to that uh, when it comes to our children. And just knowing that uh, it takes a special kind of love and, and effort sometimes to, to, to bring about uh, that joy and uh, that sense of, uh, of, of correctness in, in their life, Father, that we just uh, we, we have that burden for them. So I, I pray for all of them, but, Father, we lift up Daniel to you today. We do pray for those services that are going on today, Father, that you will just, especially this new church, Father, how amazing it is that you stir the hearts of men and women to go out and do incredible things. But Father, you're that incredible, beautiful God behind it. And, and so we just pray for uh, your name to be renowned, Father, to, to be known, and that the hope of the gospel, Father, would be there in the midst of these cities and these people. We love you and we thank you. Now, Father, in this closing uh, song that we sing to you, Father, we just reflect into your greatness, your goodness, and our need for you. So we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.